0: Support for today's episode is brought to you by RheaHealth.com. Right now, my listeners can get $25 off the first month when you visit RheaHealth.com forward slash elevator and use the coupon code elevator. Recovery Elevator episode 195. But
1: I think there is like two parts of that battle. It's, it's the battle with the outside world that kind of tempts you a little bit and the battle inside your own head that kind of tells you, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've done this. I've, I've had a hard day at work. I'm totally okay to, to drink.
0: Welcome to the recovery elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We've got Corey. He's 25 years old. He's from Boston, Massachusetts. and He's been sober for five days. Guys in one week on November 19th registration for the recovery elevator Nashville social is going to be open. There are a limited number of spots. So don't wait to register. We did this in Dallas the previous year and had an absolute blast. If you're going to join us in Nashville, and again, those dates are February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You've got two options. You can attend the entire weekend of festivities, or you can just meet with us on Saturday night. There's going to be a seminar. We're going to change our relationship with alcohol, and we're also going to break off and do some smaller workshop events like that. It's going to be a blast. I hope to meet you there. Hey guys, I'm excited about today's sponsor, Ria Health. This is probably the most applicable sponsor we've had on the podcast, and Ria Health is the modern alternative at-home approach that helps people drink less alcohol. The program gives people a choice in their recovery because Ria helps its member to reduce and moderate alcohol consumption, as well as go completely abstinent if that's your goal. In an analysis of Ria's members, it showed that on average, people reduce their drinking by 50% within the first 30 days of the program. How? Because RIA's program is evidence-based, they combine FDA-approved medications that are scientifically proven to reduce cravings for alcohol, in addition to one-on-one support to change your behaviors and relationship to alcohol. RIA also offers online peer meeting groups and app-based drink tracking tools to measure progress towards your goals. RIA's program is month-to-month, so there's no commitment. Most RIA members stay with the program for about one year once they achieve their goals. And right now, my listeners can get $25 off their first month when you visit riahealth.com forward slash elevator. That's r-i-a-health.com forward slash elevator. And be sure to use the coupon code elevator. In episode 154, I talk a little bit about similar treatment methods. And if you do decide to use riahealth.com, shoot me an email and let me know what your experience is. Okay, let's get started. I got the idea for this podcast episode from an article that was sent my way in the Irish Times. You can find a link to this article in the Recovery Elevator 195 show notes on the recoveryelevator.com website or in your podcast player. And thank you, Mike, for always putting together such fantastic show notes. In the article, it says, it's a quirk of a law that a bottle of alcohol-free beer must list its ingredients, but there is no such requirement for a bottle containing actual alcohol. It makes no sense, says Dr. Peter Rice of NHS in Scotland. Dr. Rice, a consultant psychiatrist and chairman of the Scottish Health Action on Alcohol Problems, was a leader in the campaign there to introduce minimum unit pricing, a floor price below which a unit of alcohol cannot be sold. This is actually fantastic legislation. It's a great law. The measure has been brought in from May 1st to reduce harmful drinking caused by the strongest and cheapest alcohol. And last month, the Parliament in Wales passed similar legislation. Introducing the Floor Price Law took six years from the time the Scottish Parliament passed the legislation. Now Scotland and the rest of the EU are watching the very slow passage of the Public Health Alcohol Bill. This is the country's attempt to deal with this drinking problem. The latest row is over labeling and the provisions to include health warnings on labels linking alcohol to cancer. Ireland will be the first EU state to have such labeling if it gets the green light from the European Commission, which is expected to make a decision next month. The legislation has taken almost three years to date since it was first introduced in December 2015. The Scottish legislation was delayed by a legal challenge from, guess who, the Scotch Whiskey Association. If passed... Then a bottle of beer in Ireland would have a cancer warning that would cover one third of the bottle. At this moment, nothing has been passed into law, but this does spark an interesting dialogue, and I hope they can get this one right. Now let's circle the wagons and reread the first line again. It says, It's a quirk of a law that a bottle of alcohol-free beer must list its ingredients, but there's no such requirement for a bottle containing actual alcohol. Yeah, quirk of a law, I'd say so. I hope this changes in Ireland and the rest of the EU soon. The good news is that some countries already do place warnings on their labels. Let's see what the country Colombia has to say. In Colombia, a bottle of beer says, This product is harmful to the health of children and pregnant women, and the excess of alcohol is harmful to your health. Bueno Colombia, nice job on pointing a finger at a smoking gun. Let's see what Colombia's neighbor Ecuador has to say. The excessive consumption of alcohol restricts your capacity to drive and operate machinery. May cause damage to your health and adversely affects your family. Whoa, let me just summarize that last line for you. Alcohol can create a wake of destruction for you and everyone around you. Spot on, Ecuador. Nice job. Let's pop over to Scandinavia. This is what Sweden has to say Alcohol can cause stroke and cancer. Alcohol is dependence producing. Alcohol can cause nerve and brain damage. To begin drinking at an early age increases the risk of having alcohol problems. And alcohol can injure your health. I'm going to go ahead and raise my LaCroix and say skål to you, Sweden. Nice job. Let's see what Korea has to say. Warning. Excessive consumption of alcohol may cause liver cirrhosis or liver cancer and is especially detrimental to the mental and physical health of minors. Just like the 2018 Winter Games, you nailed it, Korea. Nice job. Let's see what Russia has to say. Warning. Warning. Do not drink and drive. You may spill your beverage. Well, I'm just kidding on this one. I actually did some extensive online searching and wasn't able to find the warning label for a bottle of beer in Russia. Perhaps because they don't have one. Now let's pop over to the USA. This is what it says on our products containing alcohol. According to the Surgeon General warning, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of risk of birth defects. Hang on here. Let me, uh, let me uh, read a little further. What does it say about men? Nothing. Yeah, nothing about men. Okay. This label is speaking to such a small percentage of people. In fact, this label is probably directed to less than 3% of the population and probably even less than that. Like the contents inside the bottle, this label is shit. Come on, USA. This podcast is geared more towards shredding the shame around alcohol addiction and getting sober groups together for awesome meetups in fun places like Machu Picchu and Nashville this upcoming February, but my goodness, this makes me mad. If I have a spare moment in 2019, I may get a petition going to get a more accurate description on a beer bottle, which relays the message that alcohol is dangerous and can cause a wide swath of destruction for everyone involved. Not just for a pregnant woman. Okay. Calm down, Paul. So here's the good news. This shouldn't be the spinning newspaper you see in the movies with breaking news. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already aware that alcohol can be volatile and destructive. You don't need the warning label. You already know it. So do these labels work? According to a 2011 New York Times article, countries that placed hideous photos and warnings on packs of cigarettes saw an average of 5% decline of tobacco use over the course of a year. That's saving a major amount of lives. Why does this work the same reason instagram works a picture tells a thousand words what i propose just like the packs of cigarettes place a picture a clear image of where the drug alcohol can lead you maybe even put a picture of someone trying to ride a bike into a swimming pool without water the chive app could furnish an unlimited supply of pictures of people doing dumb shit while drunk the first couple can be humorous then some themes start to present themselves Tobacco is the third leading cause of death, and here's the warnings on their packages. Smoking kills. Cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health. Cigarettes are addictive. Much better. Alcohol is the fifth leading cause of death in the U.S. And the labels make it sound like drinking alcohol is the same thing as a bad night's rest for a pregnant woman. Guys, I will do my best to keep you informed if I hear if the legislation passes in Ireland. I'm hoping it does before we hear from Corey, let's hear from my favorite resource in recovery cafe re the most important thing i've learned while doing the recovery elevator podcast is we can't do this alone believe me i tried for over two years and it didn't work so here's the good news with cafe re you get access to a confidential and unsearchable facebook group which is capped at 300 members to ensure intimacy then you get access to the cafe re forum outside of facebook which means you don't need a Facebook account to be part of Cafe RE. Both are private and only members can see who is in the groups and what is said. In the forum and Facebook group, you get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For just $19 a month, you too can join the conversation. You can be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online meetups, Attend in-person meetups and retreats. Participate in book club, movie club, and more. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive this setup fee. I hope to see you there. Corey, how are you?
1: I'm good, Paul. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, Corey, thanks for joining us. Corey, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober?
1: Well, a good five solid days, so... What is it? It's a Thursday, so coming back to last weekend, and the weekends are really what get me these days.
0: So, Gotcha, and we'll talk about an upcoming camping trip to Maine. I don't know if it was a camping trip, but an upcoming trip to Maine this weekend. We'll talk about how we're going to get through that sober. But five days, nice job. Congratulations, Corey. There was a time in my journey where I would have killed for five days. I was on day one, two, three, that hamster cycle for a long time. So nice job. I bet that feels good.
1: Yeah, it does. And, yeah, it really is kind of a, a loop right now. I'm stuck in the cycle of one, two, three, four, five. And, and trying to break and, and, and getting into three, two or three weeks in a row would be really awesome. But I'm in the thick of it right now.
0: Yeah, and, and human beings, we are good at playing the comparison game, especially on the social media feed. You scroll down, and at the unconscious level, we see other people with different jobs, with houses, with spouses, and these accomplishments in life. And I know I personally did it too with sobriety and and you mentioned before i hit record that you know I, i've only got five days i don't really know if what i have to share will, will be well received Corey, we're just going to stuff all that in a bag throw it off the train because it doesn't matter and if you're listening as well and you've only got one two days zero days 20 it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so cory i gotta say nice job for coming on a podcast with five glorious days five awesome days i'm excited for the interview yeah thanks yeah now give listeners a little background about yourself maybe where you're from what you do for a living? Your age? You have a family? And what do you like to do for fun?
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Minnesota, and so that was that was a good time. I grew up, you know, playing a bunch of sports. And one of the big sports for me was was playing hockey. But then I went to school at, and uh, in Wisconsin. And after school, I came out to Boston. And now I'm 25, and you know, I'm working a uh, full time gig out here, and just trying to figure out what the meaning of life is after college, because I know that. Up until college, you know, everything's kind of planned for you. You have A, B, and C, and then after you get out into the real world, and you're kind of just like, well, now what? You know, and, and kind of life hits you a little bit, and that's kind of what happened to me. Before we get into all that, what else I like to do is exercise. I've been doing that. I've been building a great regimen the last couple of years with, with exercising almost every day, and other things I love to do is, you know, go to concerts and listen to music. I love music. I play guitar. I found a piano outside of my apartment when I first moved in. I was sitting by the garbage can. And I said, mm, I wonder if this works, and I, you know, I brought it up. And I, So I have a piano, too, and uh, probably you know, a total of five guitars, so I love doing that. Uh, that's kind of my routine. And right now, actually, I have a, a trip to Colombia coming up, Colombia in South America, and uh, I'm going there for 10 weeks, and I have never learned Spanish before. So I've been doing the Spanish thing for the last two months. I've been going hard, uh, about a half an hour to an hour every day trying to learn Spanish, so it's, it's exciting. And that actually is very fun because I'm going down there, and just to to learn a different language and actually, you know, put it to use right away is is really motivating for me. So,
0: Corey, donde vas in Colombia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bogota. There you go. Yeah, I I've, got been to, it. I've been in Medellin, Bogota, and Barranquilla. That place is awesome. You're gonna love it.
1: Yeah, perfect. I'm staying in Chapinero. I don't know much about it, but I, I hope I get comfortable enough there that I can start spreading out. You know, I'm, I'm going down there to work and. On weekends, I hope I can get out to some of the other places that you just mentioned and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, that sounds incredible. And I want to comment on what you said about college. It's like your life's planned all before you. I saw a meme a couple of years ago that just cracked me up. It was a photo of kids throwing their graduation caps in the air, and the caption was, "Congratulations, you just finished the easiest part of your life."
1: <laughs> yeah, I totally saw that, and I, I agree. And I think that people aren't prepared for it, and and or at least I wasn't prepared for it. Either shouldn't speak for anybody else, but I think it was a couple years after I got in the real world that I was just like, what am I doing? Where am I going? What are my goals? Am I hitting my goals? And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, not really. So that kind of started started a weird point in my life that I've been going through for the last year or so.
0: so. Yeah, well, you can give listeners a little background with your drinking. Describe your drinking habits. You mentioned an email you sent to me that you were hit by the drug alcohol train your senior year of high school and it bring us up to speed to age 25 and did you ever attempt to quit moderate things like that and, and give us some time frames in your story and take as much time as you need i'm excited to hear it
1: yeah sure so it was senior year and, and when, we, when i started you know getting into that before that it was you know i was proud to just be totally away from it, all that stuff and i wasn't i don't know i you know i kind of some other influences that made me think that certain That like for example, marijuana was okay, that's always the one where people can say, okay, this is not that bad for you, so why don't you try it? I'm not saying it's a gateway, but I'm not saying that's what led me to alcohol, but I'm saying that, or, you know, that that was kind of what started it for me, and then, you know, when high school came, and and at the senior year, uh, at that year, my friends, you know, were were all kind of experimenting with that, so I joined in them with that, and it was fairly fine, you know, it was great, It, it didn't, like, you know, it felt great, and and it didn't turn into anything reckless. You know, I never got in trouble. And it never was, obs- you know, uh, excessive for that year. And then, you know, going to college and all that stuff, I remember moving in and being really excited to be on my own and away from my parents. And, you know, and you have that welcome week at uh, Wisconsin, we had, you know, the, yeah, the whole week for for freshmen. Now, you're not going to class, you're not studying, you just have a whole week there to, to meet people and party. And, and we, we made it, a, you know, we were proud of the fact that that every day for you know one or two weeks, we were getting you know hammered every night, and we thought that was a great thing, and so that kind of just set the ball rolling. And you know, I can think back to nights I had in my freshman year when I should have been studying for physics, but instead I was you know playing Xbox in my dorm room alone and, and and taking shots, and I was just like nothing nothing was wrong with with that image in my mind at that time. And it took a long time for me to get away from that type of a behavior, or just to realize and, and escape that uh, denial but throughout college i think that was much of the same it was partying and even for me just sitting on, at my computer playing playing a video game or, or watching youtube and just you know have the case right next to you or the bottle right next to you sure and and that so that's how that kind of escalated and, I, and and nothing there were no bad signs you know i was still getting above a, f- a 3.0 and and doing well above that and you know i was cramming all my tests in the way i did in high school and i was doing all you know get, doing all that stuff and I was okay with that. You know, I thought as long as I'm going through the motions in college, at the end, you know, when I get out of college, you know, it'll, everything will be okay. I'll have done what I needed. So I kind of coasted through college. And then after college, I got, into the, I got a job out in Boston. And that was great. You know, I had all this money to, you know, help feel my, my habit. But uh, I started coasting through the real world as well. And I did that for a couple of years. And nothing really changed either. You know, people, I think when they leave college, they might change their habits in a way. But I think that's kind of silly to think that that would actually happen. So it didn't happen for me. You know, right after college, I was still kind of doing the same things I did then, but just transferring it over. And it it, it was still just denial for the longest time. And when it got to the point, I think it was about two or three years after, where I was just like, where am I going? What am I doing? And, and just thinking about how much productivity I wasted, um, it kind of just hit me in the face. And what really kind of started it was was I had a, I had a kind of a, a really important relationship to me that kind of ended with, with you know, the fact that I just wanted to go and, and drink all the time or party, sure. go out. And then so when, when I lost them initially, it was, it was totally fine. It was fine. It was whatever. I just kind of buried all that, that emotion down and, and tried my best to kill it. With, with booze, and then after about six months or so later, the feelings, you know, start creeping back up. And it was too late to do anything about it at that point because it had been so long and other people had moved on and I hadn't because wait, wait, I...
0: Wait, hang on one sec. When you said after a couple months had passed or six months had passed, the feelings started to come back up, can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Is, is this kinda, from the breakup? You said the breakup due to alcohol?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so it was more of like we kind of, you know, went one, no she, no, she went one direction, I went another direction with our lives because I wanted to do certain things like, you know, party more and whatnot. So the routine was, I would feel great on Friday and I'd have the whole weekend, to, you know, spend with my, with my buddies and do all those things and I'd feel great. And then Monday I would come and I'd have a depressive, you know, Monday, depressive Tuesday, depressing Wednesday. And then Thursday came around, and I started to feel better. So it was like that. I'm like, well, eventually this is going to go away. You know, I just got to keep barreling through these weeks. And it never really did. And it ended up getting worse for me. It ended up getting a lot worse. And I just, you know, I, I knew something had to change. I, I wasn't comfortable with where I was at. And I needed to just, you know, I think there was part of me that I was like, well, why How did Why did that fail? It must have been your fault. And so I really wanted to make a change. And I kind of just one morning scribbled down some notes in a book. And I was like, I need to change A, B, and C. And it was like basically I need to stop smoking Hot. I need to stop smoking tobacco. I need to stop drinking altogether. And like these were the three things. And I was like, this is something that I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do. So I I have some notes somewhere. I I didn't bring them up, but, but uh, I don't I don't have them with me. But I wrote down this whole plan of how I'm gonna do it. And it was like in August, uh, like three three years after I, I graduated college. Just that kind of lasted for a couple of days. And I would still go back into my old routines, you know. And then it wasn't until like October. Oh, actually, I I should step back a little bit. In August, I made the thing, I made a decision to, to knock one of those three out. Is so this thought, August of last year? Yeah, August of last year. So, so about
0: 2017,
1: year okay. Yeah, exactly, about a year ago. And so I, I quit buying uh, marijuana altogether because it was something that I always kind of had on me and I always kind of did. And it was part of the cocktail, so to speak. So I did that and I got the ball rolling with that because that was relatively easier to do. I, I, you know, you always hear about how it is less uh, addictive. But then came kind of like the st- the part two of that whole grand master plan to get back to like, to being comfortable with who I was or, you know, being okay with who I was, which was quitting tobacco. And that happened in early November. So it was about two and a half, three months after stopping the uh, marijuana was quitting tobacco. And that just went so f- well because I was so, so focused on being, changing who I was. And I was so like, kind of depressed with who I was, and I needed to make a change. I needed to do something to get me right on the right track. So I did that, and I was so obsessive with it. I was, like, counting days, one, two, three, four, all the way up to, like, 60, you know, in my planner. Every time I got into work, I'd write, here's one more day, and Mm -hmm. and I'd obsess over it, and it went, like, really well for the first, like, two or three weeks. I was able to, you know, to work and get all that, but then I remember going home for, like, Thanksgiving break, and even the day before I left home, I just I felt the worst I had ever felt in my entire life. I think it was the, yeah, it was the third week after quitting smoking, and I was just so depressed, like to the point for a week for one whole week I was so depressed that like, for once in my life I could tell you that I drank alcohol to try to like go to bed because I couldn't go to bed or mm-hmm. keep my mind like calm without it. And so at that point I started realizing, well, this is this is really messing with your brain because if these chemicals can like shift your mood so much when you don't have them. For three weeks, then I have been doing damage to my brain for so long that I really need to start right now to make it a, make it better, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and, and listeners, this is why I wanted to bring Corey on the podcast because he sent me an email. He didn't even request to do an interview. I read this and was like, right, I want to explore this more in depth on the podcast. He basically said, I had an epiphany after a bad breakup due to alcohol that I'd quit my vices. Start by quitting cannabis, then tobacco, then alcohol. That was the idea, and I haven't bought pot in a year. Nice job, Corey. I haven't bought tobacco in almost ten months. Super nice job, Corey. But I'm just having a hard time shaking alcohol because it's all around me and it seems acceptable. I actually don't recommend quitting <laughs> cannabis, pot, or you know, cannabis, tobacco, and alcohol all at once. Like that's almost biting off a little bit more than anybody can chew. So I think the strategy was right there but yeah, the alcohol is just the beast. And in my opinion, alcohol is the gateway drug that leads to all, you know, all the other addictions in in this realm, shall I say. But yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the alcohol and, and how, you know, the last 10 months, what have you tried to do and how have you gotten, and and bring us up to speed today?
1: Yeah. So it kind of started with the the new year. So this is January of 2018 that I kind of Really got my bearing, my set, my I had my my eyes set on the on the prize uh, to to get silver from you know from alcohol, and it, and it was going really well, you know, and and another big thing that I don't know if you're interested to talk about was I this is about the same time I ended up being so desperate to to save myself here was that I ended up calling for mental health and I, and I ended up getting myself a therapist too good job and so yeah that was a that was a big deal for me and you're and always so scared to, to to call right away you know and and it took me a, a lot of time to just call a number but I really had to and I and I did that and I and I got one and I've been seeing him for for eight months you know up until this date. back to January I was doing really well I had like 20 or so days but then you know I had a trip planned with my buddies down to New Orleans we don't know how how crazy New Orleans is, and that kind of ruined that that street <laughs> yep. for me. And I remember distinctively coming back from that trip. I was like three weeks I had been uh, sober or, or so, and I came back from that, and I was just like in the shower one of the next mornings, and I just felt so bad about myself because I had just let myself down. That I just I literally broke down right there in the shower, and I was just like Jesus, I'm in a really bad spot right now because I'm depressed and I can't, you know, I, I don't know where to go from here. And I don't know what to do. So I have had to like kind of what's the term for it ride it out since then you know try to go you know get over all that that pain and pretty much all that emotional pain i had but since then i, I think I did, i've done really well at at improving what i had done before like my old habits of, of every night of the week you know having six plus beers every night like that's no longer at the case but the struggle really is now how do we maintain a long streak how do we still enjoy um, our friendships with without that how can we find something that's not revolved around booze because everybody wants to go to the bar everybody wants to go to this that has alcohol and do this and that and that and it's it's really hard to escape it and especially when you've built your life around it, it it just makes it all that harder because you have nobody to turn to I mean you can turn to your family but when you're across the country from your family you really can't do that either and So uh, that's pretty much it. And and I think it was also, you know, over the summer, I kind of just relaxed a little bit on on trying to, you know, give it up. But I still had it in the back of my mind that it was something that I needed to do. And I just haven't been able to to shake it.
0: Corey, there's a lot to talk about right there. There's there's a lot. And I want to back it up before we get to the questions like, how do you do this? And we'll address that in a second. But um was there a rock bottom moment five days ago or was it like a sick and tired of being sick and tired, like here we go again and then we got five days today?
1: Yeah, so the rock bottom moment that kinda shifted my mindset was really like kinda serious. It was back in that October realm, I think it was after you know, I had stopped buying pots, so that was fine. But I was still um I went out to a party, it was October it was Halloween and I went out to a Halloween party. And I, I, I was drinking with all these folks. And I, the people I didn't know, people I knew, and I still didn't feel good. And um, I just, um, instead of st- you know meeting those people and staying there, I just decided to leave. And I I came back to my room.
0: Wait, this was and last was, October, you said. This is
1: last October, and, yeah. And so
0: you were drinking and you know still drinking yeah. and using, but you still, but you didn't feel good.
1: I didn't feel good, and you and I'm sitting there, and I'm and I'm at my desk like I usually am with a bunch of beer, and and I was smoking cigarettes probably um, in my room inside, which is technically not allowed but I was just pretty much it you know I was kind of you know I hear you talk about it a lot now same way for me I was just trying to think of ways to just pretty much end it all and just like how can I get out of here and I remember like googling how to you know <laughs> how do you buy a gun and I was like what am I doing what is wrong with me and I like literally was fed up I shut the I shut the computer off and I was like and I went to bed and I was like what is wrong and that was kind of my rock bottom where I was just like I need serious help because I I don't want to live right now and I just need to I need to get out of that hole. And so that was the rock bottom moment and it's been a struggle to get to where I am now. I feel a lot better today, but I know it's not perfect and I know I have more progress to go through so.
0: Corey, I got good news for you. It's from October to September, about 11 months. It might not seem like a lot of progress has taken place, but the way I see it, tremendous progress has happened. I got more good news for you is that at the unconscious level, your body has made the decision to move forward. To Corey 2.0, that progression is happening right before our eyes. And you can go back to using smoking tobacco, but it's going to suck. It's not going to be enjoyable. That unconscious mind is going to make you feel terrible about drinking it. Not me. I'm not shaming you at all. I'm going to love you just the same amount if you drink tomorrow or or if you keep going sober the rest of your life. But for all of us, we almost afforded this luxury where alcohol, it stops working. It just, we just, we can't go back to what it is but you're kind of in this cognitive dissonance stage of your life where the conscious mind, and the unconscious mind, they're battling each other. Part of it's like, no, we're done, you know, and then later in the day, it's like, no, we're drinking again. That is a difficult time. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you built a life around alcohol. Now, part of this is the post acute withdrawal symptoms and this is all an opinion and hearsay. Part of it is that your body's coming back online when you're going away from cannabis, from tobacco and, uh, and, and booze, but also, I just read a book called You Are the Placebo by Joe Dispenza. The instant we decide to make a different life, and this is moving away from alcohol, drugs, pot, anything, and addiction, our body will create negative emotions to pull us back. And that's part of it too. Like Actually, when we decide I'm done drinking, we're going to feel uncomfortable because our body is entering the unknown, going to a new routine, and it's tough. It's tough. So you've made tremendous progress. That's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah, and and thanks for that because I I, mean, I agree. I, it's it's really hard. It's 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 amazing to see how how hard it is to make behavioral changes that are, are so drastic like that because it really affects your mood. And like I was unable to focus for so long after I had quit smoking, and and it was just so tough. And even with the drinking too, and it was like just I was I remember, I remember like just going, how the heck does this even happen, and where do you know how do you get over this because it just changes your mood so drastically. And you're just like, is it going to, is there going to be a, a you know, a brighter, brighter future, future, ahead? Or is it always going to be like this? How long is it going to take? How many days off of work can I really take? How many unproductive days at work can I really have when I'm going through all this, this bad funk? Because I need to be productive at work to, in order to pay for everything, and that just adds more financial stress to the situation and all that stuff. So it really does add up, and, and, it, and it's really hard. And like you're saying, I, I think the progress is tremendous. i got to be positive. i got to frame it in the right way, and i got to just keep chugging along.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you're asking the right questions because there was a time in my journey the questions I was asking was like, all right, if I go five days off, then can I go two days on and repeat that cycle? You're asking the questions of how do I do this? How do I move forward in a life without these substances? You're asking the right question. And let's actually address part of that right now. You're going, before I hit record, you mentioned you're going with your roommates to Maine this weekend. You're leaving at 4.30 in the morning tomorrow morning. You're going to go white rider rafting on on Saturday. How are we going to do this? Because it's so ingrained in our culture with drinking. I imagine this is not a sober getaway for the others. Am I right? (laughs) You're totally right. I don't I guess. (laughs) So what's your plan this weekend? How are you going to make it through sober?
1: Well, you know, I think <laughs> I, w- I would be—I'd be lying to you to tell you that I had a real concrete plan. And I know you're going to say that's, you know, plan or failing the plan is planning to fail. So that probably is something I need to address. And and um, I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of temptation at at night um, on on Friday night and Saturday night for sure. After the hard work is done, there's going to be a lot of a lot of temptation to. To relax after like you know you have a hard day's work you deserve that to just kind of let yourself go a little bit and i mean as twisted as that is that's the way the world kind of is and in order to fight that <laughs> i do feel kind of helpless paul i really do so
0: Cory, i've been there i've been there and I'm, I'm glad we're doing this right now and we're gonna lay is a framework for listeners who are also in the situation i guarantee it people listening to this podcast episode they're like oh shit I got a trip coming up in 4 days. I've got a bachelorette party. I've got a bachelor party. How is he going to do this? So here's what I would do. After we record this interview, I'd pull up your cell phone and I would send a text. I'd send one individually. How many how many people are going to go? I said 4, 3?
1: Three? Um, 3 or 4 close right, closer friends and then a total of 8. So.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, if you're, depending on your level of comfortability with this, and once you find your level of being comfortable, go past that by two more people, and I would just send them all individual texts. Say, hey, guys, looking forward to this weekend. Just a heads up, I'm not going to be drinking. That's all that needs to be said. There doesn't need to be an explanation. You don't need to forward them the email that you sent me. And most likely, they're going to be like, dude, Corey, that's awesome. Let me know how we can help. We're going we're gonna to get some LaCroix to sock the fridge. Um, yeah, how do you feel about that?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good plan. It's going to be, I think what I'll get back from them is, you know, I, I mean, we'll see what, how they respond to that. I, I think it's a good idea. I am a little uncomfortable doing that, I think, because it's, like I said, who knows if they'll take me seriously or not, but I, I do think that's a good st- first step.
0: Dude, I think, I think you should do it. I think you should. i I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done myself because really half the battle could be won before you even get in the car at 4 30 a.m. They're going to know, and you're going to find out if they're your true friends. Most likely they are, but you're also going to find out, hmm, maybe I'm in the wrong room. If these friends aren't supportive of me, this might be a last trip with those guys. Just my two cents on it.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, but I've been there before, Corey. These are difficult times, but sometimes you just got to put your head down and keep moving forward. And let's talk about that. What is your plan in sobriety moving forward? Get past this weekend, but let's let's talk about after that. How do you plan on getting you know, day six, two weeks, three weeks a month?
1: Well, to be honest, I've, I've gotten some books. so I'm going to be you know focusing on reading those and, and trying to you know get my knowledge going on that and, and listening to some more of these these podcasts to try to. I, I think the plan is to just <laughs> hoping it magically comes to me when I when if I just keep pounding it, you know. But I think there I remember there's one podcast I was listening to, you, to two of yours of. I wrote it down. I have it in front of somewhere. It was ten ways not to drink in a social uh, gathering. I wrote this all down. My, this is. I went back to like early days for you, Paul. And <laughs> I I was so one. He, one, you said, don't go. You said, don't go. And I'm like, well, I got to go sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I have a trip planned <laughs> before I go to Columbia, and I think Columbia is going to be great. But I have a trip planned that I planned. I don't know why I really planned this. To be honest with you, Paul. But it's going to to Oktoberfest in Germany. And you know what that is, so
0: I am aware. <laughs> that,
1: yeah, yeah. So that one is probably not the best case. So I'm almost doomed to the fail there in a way. So I so I'm not really sure, Paul. I guess I don't have a totally long plan. I, you know, I'm just trying to like continue to learn about it and uh continue to get progress, you know, with like the week and and write down I guess what where I trip up and how I trip up and uh, try to learn from those situations and, and go from there. Outside of that, like, then I have that three-month stint in, in Colombia where I'm going to be in a different country. That can go either way, you know. Like, I think it'll be fine where I can just embrace it down there without having to, to drink, and I, and I think I could get a good streak going on down there. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about not, having, not knowing a lot of people down there um, it's going to be pretty tempting, but at the same time, I'm not going to have these outside forces that that I have here that'll that'll kind of push me in that direction. But I think there is like two parts of that battle. It's it's the battle with the outside world that kind of tempts you a little bit, and it's the battle inside your own head that kind of tells you, oh yeah, I've, I've I've done this. I've I've had a hard day at work. I'm totally okay to to drink, you know, a little bit so or a lot. So
0: Corey, I got to give you props because. Your your plan in the future is probably like the least of a plan I've heard after interviewing, you know, 190 people right now. However, but I'm not worried about that one bit because you have the most important mindset, which is desire to quit drinking. The plan will fall into place. It will. It just will. If you want it enough and you keep at it, the plan is going to fall into place. I'm not worried about that. And there's no secret formula. You know, you say, man, hey, what's your plan of sobriety moving forward? And people list – 30 things that sound incredible. You listed going to Oktoberfest as part of your plan in Germany. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I mean, that's totally fine. That everybody's journey is different. In fact, that actually might be part of your journey. You might get out there and say, oh, my God, this is not for me. I can see alcohol for what it is. Or you might learn some valuable lessons while drinking in Oktoberfest and might have a vacation. You might make the least of Oktoberfest in Germany and say, look, this is definitely not for me. But like I said, I gotta give you props. You have the most important requirement to be on this podcast. That's a desire to stop drinking. It doesn't really matter if the plan's right or wrong. Everybody has a different plan. My plan went to shit several times in recovery, but the plan eventually all falls into place. So, Corey, you're in the right spot. You're exactly where you need to be right now.
1: Yeah, and I, and I do think it's all about having a mindset of, of progress, like in the in the best direction, and, and knowing that it's getting better. Because when I look back and I think about where I was past, like last year at this time, I was like stopping home after, at the store after work and getting a thirty pack of of beer, and I would like make a big dent in it in one day and, and be like, <laughs> like what? You know what I mean? Like every day of the week. And now that I'm, I'm not even close to where I was then. I just know that the progress is getting in the right right direction. And I know I probably set myself up for for some close calls or some. Some interesting situations with you know with with going to Germany. I could have been going anywhere else in Europe, and I probably would have had a ten thousand times better chance. But um, I'll take that into account for the next time I plan an international trip. So I guess that's a that's a that's a learning lesson, and I think it's all about learning there. Yeah, it's 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 kind of (laughs) it's kind of embarrassing for sure. But I I know you're giving me props, but I do I did feel like I I I might not be. I do think I, I have the history enough to be credible in a way, but not fully credible, if you know what I mean. So,
0: oh, You're doing great, Corey. You're doing great. And before you reach the rapid fire round, there's a couple of questions I want to ask. So when you have experienced a craving, whether in these past five days or before, how do you get past them? Well, really,
1: the, the big one for me is is having some sort of beverage that, that tastes good that doesn't have alcohol in it. And basically, the, the big thing is... is seltzer water for me that's like huge if i have a pack of that at home and i can like go home from work and i go straight home from work you know from the office to home i can go to the gym and work out and eat dinner and then i can just like crush uh eight cans of sparkling water while i'm while i'm playing guitar or something and that'll get me to the night and then i just go to bed from there and i think that really works for me that routine and like even that there's really no craving to go to the bar on the weekday when i'm when i'm doing that i'm engulfed in that I'm trying to learn like the latest Van Halen solo or something like that. I'm listening to, and I think that's really doing it for me. It's just like yeah, having having all that time on the weekends and get to Friday night where you're just like, what are you doing? You know, like what are you going to be doing Friday night? That's that's what really gets me. So, but I think planning planning stuff on um, on the weekends that doesn't involve it is pretty key too. It's just unfortunate that that some travel plans do involve it, and you have to be prepared to deal with those situations.
0: So. Yeah. Apart from Oktoberfest, what is, what's on your bucket list in sobriety?
1: Well, the bucket list is to get really damn good at guitar and to like record an album for sure. That's, that's on my bucket list and like definitely get derailed when I spend, because as a musician and you're working a full-time job, you know, uh, in a different career path, you're, you don't have a lot of time. And so you're talking about wasting all your free time, you know, getting drunk at the bar, spending hundreds of dollars that you could be spending on musical equipment. Like that's, that's a big deal when you have goals like that that aren't being met and you're just kind of floating through life, you know, working and getting drunk on weekends and, you're, and you have these unmet goals. It just it's, gets depressing after a while. So so I think that's a big thing for me, for a bucket list. Another bucket list of mine is to just make the most out of this travel experience at Columbia for sure, meet fantastic people down there and come away with something fantastic for my work resume as well. And that starts with, with being sober and going into work every day with a clear head and a full night's sleep because that that means a ton of productivity so those are two big ones and then i have the other big one paul i can talk about this is one of the main reasons why i wanted to quit for sure was when when i eventually want a family you know what i mean like you i, I gotta tell myself i can quit all this bullshit before i have the family not during or after you know i gotta prove it before that i'm gonna be sure. worth it or, a, or a, a good enough person to be a father. So I think that's a big one on my bucket list. So
0: I love it, Corey. And we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Number one, what was your worst memory from drinking?
1: Oh, um, definitely that incident I'd said in the, uh, that Halloween incident where I got back and I was just drinking. I, I came from a party and I, to be alone, to drink alone, and I was just like, what am I doing right now? You know what I mean? This can't be where I need to be on a Saturday or a Friday night. This, this can't be it. So that was my worst memory.
0: We've all heard of the aha moment. What was your Oh shit moment indicating you should probably quit drinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably when, you know, when the denial ended and I was kind of having that depressive cycle. And, um, and I, and I mentioned this before when I was drinking to go to sleep when i was quitting tobacco because i couldn't fall asleep without it and i was like there is some serious damage i am doing to the organs in my body and if i don't stop this it's going to take me and i'm really worried about my life or my my health so that was my shit moment was you know i can't control my drinking and it's really going to cost cost me in the long term of
0: my health and cory what's your favorite resource in recovery
1: well, you know, it, it might have to be this podcast because initially, when I when I wanted to hear more and, and learn more, I, I went to the podcasts, and I and I, it took me a while to find this one, but I, I feel like this format worked the best out of all of them, and and just getting. But that's this podcast in general has been huge for me, just to get somebody else to to talk, you know teach me about this, and so I think that's been my my favorite resource because it it's something I can listen to on the road when I'm traveling.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening, Corey. Much appreciated. And in regards to sobriety, what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Best advice I've ever received is that this is, this is a tough one. I want to say that it's, it's a song cliche, but it's definitely just to take it one day at a time because like I, like you said, I'm, I got Oktoberfest coming up, but if I, if I do it today and I do it tomorrow and I get three or four weeks under my belt or two weeks under my belt before I go to Germany, am I going to want to, ruin those two weeks by by wasting it in Germany. So I think that's the best advice.
0: And what parting piece of advice can you give to listeners?
1: I think just to get out of that trap of, like, being in college and having that college party a- attitude and, and and just, like, knowing that that's not, like, that shouldn't be the way to go. That shouldn't be the way to happiness or to have that party mentality because it's just going to catch up to you eventually. And I, And I think everybody's kind of got to go through it. Just to, just to get out of that mindset that that that's that that's acceptable socially because it it you know it'll progress and it'll get worse and worse. So,
0: and before we depart, Corey, give listeners your own customizer. You might be an alcoholic if line.
1: Um, you might be an alcoholic if you always whenever you go grocery shopping, you uh you pick up a thirty rack of beer and it's multiple times in a week. So,
0: gotcha. Thank you so much for joining us, Corey. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks Paul. Another cool law that the upper house in Ireland also voted to introduce was a 9 p.m. watershed before which alcohol advertising cannot be broadcast. The whole idea of Cafe came to light at about 1:55 a.m. I think it was late July early August 2014. I was searching on Facebook for recovery groups. Little did I know at that time, like Cafe A.R.E., it's confidential. You can't just simply search it, find it, and join it. Most of them are set up that way. So I didn't find a group. But what I did find at 1.55 a.m. was a sponsored Bud Light Lime ad. I got dressed as fast as I could because I knew I had five minutes to make it to the gas station before they stopped selling alcohol at 2 a.m. I think this watershed rule that you can't advertise alcohol past a certain time frame is a fantastic idea. Again, I'll let you know if I hear more about this. I got a great You Might Be an Alcoholic if line from a gentleman named Giovanni. Here it goes. You might be an alcoholic if you buy the hangover cure pills at the gas station instead of fixing the real problem. I did a couple quick Google searches, just typed in gas station hangover pills, and oh my gosh, there's an entire industry, probably a multi-million, maybe even a billion dollar industry built around avoiding the real problem alcohol. Wow. This shit is powerful. Recovery elevator. We took the elevator down. We gotta take the stairs back up. We can do this.